You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Everybody good? All right. Who's not good? It's okay. If you're not good, it's perfectly acceptable. You're in the right place. Wow. That worship team... I don't even know what to say. It was just too much. Have you, do you notice this thing during worship where we sing these songs about the Father's love and we sing, we sing songs about um, just, just how kind God is when he, as he relates to us. We sing these songs of thankfulness um, that are they're they're just more about the virtues of God's love in our lives and it is really worth singing about but something happens something really happens among the people of God when we turn all of our attention to just glorifying him with nothing else attached to it i mean this room heated up to a degree while we were praising the Lord this morning, I was, just, I was just standing there going, this is my dream come true. This is my, this is my dream come true. This is heaven on earth. This is the worship of, of almighty God taking place on the earth in such a way that it just changes us. And man, that is just so good to be a part of, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Well, guys, this is a piece of paper. And, and this, this is a pen. It's very old fashioned instruments here, but, uh, the team and I, we were, we were strategizing on Thursday when we were having our staff meeting and we've had just a lot of people just plumb tired of COVID and all the disconnection that COVID has created in our lives and we've had so many people ask us about home groups or connect groups or whatever you want to call them. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but there's been a lot of like stop and go as we've been coming out of this pandemic. We're not all the way out of it, but we've 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 made attempts to go back into normal church life, the rhythm of our our yearly life. And we've had to put the brakes on. But I really have the sense it might just be time for us to get together. Yeah, yeah. So we, we were thinking, well, we could get really fancy, put all of our organizational power into something. And it, it just, it felt like a bottleneck. And it, it felt like it was just going to slow us down from actually trying to figure this thing out. So instead of getting fancy and building a website or building a, like an eight-week program for you guys to, to, to go through, here's what I'm asking. I'm, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who want to lead some kind of group, whether it's in your home or out of your home or around some activity. You want to open your home up, your life up, to creating a little connect group. I don't know what we're going to call these things, y'all. I don't know what is it. Home group? Is it connect? Who knows? All I know is we should get together, right? 
I'm going to put this paper and this pen right up here. If you are interested in leading a home group in this church, just come put your name and your email address and we're going to get a hold of you. And very shortly, we are going to have a disorganized, glorious bunch of ways that y'all can have coffee together. Amen. All right. That's good news, right? Put that right there. Okay. Yeah. Man. Well, welcome to part one of my series called Strange Ways. How many of you guys heard that I was going to be preaching this last week and you were like, wow, Strange Ways? That sounds so weird. I'm coming to church because I want to find out what that was about. But um, I've had this thing in my heart where uh, I've been... I pay attention. I pay. I I really pay a lot of attention to what's going on in the world and what's happening in the church and the correlation between those two things. And uh, I've just noticed that in some ways the church has lost some ground in understanding who they are and what they're supposed to be doing. So. In this series, Strange Ways, I want to explore that with you. And I want to start out this series by reading a scripture. It's it's found in Acts 17. I think we have it. It goes like this. Paul was waiting for Silas and Timothy to meet him in the city of Athens. He was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas that he's picked up? Isn't that a great line? I love it. If you can call Paul a a babbler, I mean, if Paul can be called a babbler, then you and I can as well. Amen. Others said he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. They took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things and we want to know all about it. That's the word of the Lord this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're glad to be here in your presence. We know that you are speaking to us. We know that in the confines of this community, you are establishing us in your wisdom and grace. And we ask you that where we are weak, Father, that you would reveal to us how strong that we really are in the power of your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we ask you that this morning that you would keep moving in this meeting. That's our expectation, that you're moving in a new way among us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. All right. So this series, Strange Ways, is, it seems a little peculiar, but I felt compelled to explore with you some of the unique things that make Christians distinct within the grand spectrum of the world's religions and philosophies, all right? Like Paul in Acts, as followers of Jesus Christ, today we have distinct beliefs, we have a distinct way of living, and we have a distinct hope 
and message that inform the rest of our lives. And these distinctions can make us appear strange to a world that we're living in. Because they, they are not, those ways, those beliefs aren't necessarily in step with the conventional wisdom of the society that we live in. Paul was preaching Jesus and his resurrection within the confines of the Stoic philosophers. And to their ears, it was weird. What Paul was saying and speaking into the world made no sense to many of the people who are hearing it. So conventional wisdom is the prevailing accepted societal norms. Oftentimes, following Jesus or following the ways of Jesus will place you in direct opposition to the conventional wisdom of the age that you're living in. All right? Are you with me so far? So, just like Paul in Athens, his message was peculiar, it was strange, and it was different from the other religions and philosophies and customs of that city. But if the message that Paul preached was strange, we must also say that it was powerfully good. It may have stood out from the other things that were being said, but it has to be said that it stood out not just because it was strange, but because it was intrinsically good. Paul was working on the same project that Jesus was working on in Luke chapter 4 and then through the rest of the Gospels. So what was Jesus working on? So 2,000 years ago, Jesus starts announcing the good news and it was distinctly good. It was not vague. He didn't show up with a vague, strange, disembodied wisdom that only the super spiritual in the world could discover. No, Jesus came preaching a word that was for everybody who was willing to receive it on his terms. And it was intrinsically good. And here's how he announced it. He goes to the temple in Luke 4 and he says these words. He grabs, somebody hands him the scroll of Isaiah and he reads this. The spirit of the Lord is on me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim captives that the, that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So there's no sense of vagueness in this declaration. Amen? Jesus came to tell us and to show us that God's desire for us is good. God's kingdom is a good kingdom, and it stands in stark contrast to the other kingdoms of this world. All right. So when Jesus shows up on the scene, he disrupts the current order of the world. When Paul goes to Athens, he disrupts the normal conventional wisdom, the order of that city. Jesus Christ came announcing the good news and through his life and death and resurrection that God was happy about people. This was a new thought. This was a new thought when he started delivering this message. It confused a lot of people. So 
Jesus, his intention, which is also God's intention, he came here to do this. He came to set people free from the works of darkness. He came to set people free from fear and unbelief. Jesus came to set people free from greed, from lust, from control, and from rage. Jesus wanted people to live a good life full of grace, full of wisdom, and full of faith. This is God's intention for you. This is Jesus' intention for you. When Paul started carrying this good news into the world, his intention was that you would have a good life. Last week I said that a good life isn't necessarily an easy life, right? A good life is a meaningful life. Amen? All right. So, and what Jesus' intent, what Jesus wanted, what his desire for the world is also true about you and me. What Jesus hopes for, you and I hope for. What Jesus believes is what you and I believe. How Jesus lives or lived is how you and I are to be living. All right? Like First like John 4 says this, because as he is, so also are we in this world. As Jesus is, so also are we in this world. So we are a people who are exploding with the goodness of God. The good news of his kingdom has filled us to overflowing. And that eternal hope that is inside of us cannot be restrained. And yet, what we believe and how we act and what we hope does not keep difficulty from happening to us. In fact, following Jesus will often actually lead us into hardship. But the strangest thing of all is that when we endure seasons of great difficulty... That is the moment that we most enter into the kingdom of God. So a lot of times we're trying to keep difficulties, hardships, troubles at bay. But like Ashley Pell said a few weeks ago, God did everything in his power to get you to that place because it's that place where you will enter into the kingdom of God. All right. Some of you, I can hear your gears turning and you would like some scripture to back that up. I'm going to get there. But here's the thing. It is strange that when we go through trouble, it is not the trouble that informs us the most. It is the everlasting hope of Christ that speaks to Christians the loudest. That is a distinction, y'all. That is what you carry. Everybody goes through trouble. Everybody goes through difficulty in this life. What is strange about a Christian is that the trouble is not the loudest voice that is speaking to you. It is the hope, it is the eternal hope of Christ that is dwelling on the inside of you that has more authority in your life than the circumstances that are trying to diminish you. 
Our hope in Christ has more authority over us than the circumstances that we're living through. This is kind of why I always kind of shake my head and wonder at people who are trying to get away from Jesus. Because I'm thinking to myself, why would you want to cut yourself off away from the very thing that is going to give you power to live in the first place? I get that he's hard to follow. I get that he's not always the easiest to understand. But man, if you have enough grit to stick with him, he will always prove himself faithful. So listen to this fascinating passage out of the book of Acts. I don't, I don't believe I have it up here, but I want, this is, this is the scripture. This is my proof text to back up what I just said. Okay. So Paul and Barnabas, they go to the city of Derby and they're over there and they're trying to encourage these believers who are struggling through different types of hardship in their life. Some of it was persecution. Some of it was just, it's hard to make a living in the Middle East at this time. Okay. The, uh, trouble runs the gamut. There's a big spectrum on, on trouble that's coming after us. But Paul says it to this, this, this way to them. He says, Paul and Barnabas encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them, this is crazy, that we must suffer hardships to enter the kingdom of heaven. We must suffer hardships to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, so here's what I'm thinking. I'm not thinking that God is up there pulling strings to make your life difficult. I'm thinking that when you start living in the goodness of God, it so disrupts the world that you live in that it naturally causes problems for you. That's the way it works. Christians who are following Jesus will have some awfully strange ways about them. The book of Thessalonians, uh, you know that word, T-H, Thessalonians, it describes us this way. These people are always joyful. They never stop praying. They're always thankful in their circumstances, for this is God's will for them who belong to Christ Jesus. The book of James describes us this way. Man, when troubles of any kind come your way, just consider them joy. Consider them reasons To be joyful. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. How is it? How is it that Christians, when they encounter hardship, they start singing and praying? That's like the exact opposite, right? Of of what conventional wisdom says you should be doing, right? Like if you don't have the eternal hope of Christ in your life, if you don't have the power of God working in you, Man, when hard times come, singing a song, rejoicing is probably not the first thing you're going to do. But that is a strange distinction of Christian people. They've got this song that's dwelling on the inside of them that's always glorifying them, even when they're put in chains and set in jail. So I submit to you that what is on the inside of you dictates what happens on the outside of you. The, whatever revelation of hope that you're currently living in right now is leading your behavior. Whatever understanding or whatever capacity 
of hope that you have living on the inside of you is directly correlated to how you're acting on the outside. If you are hopeless in your heart, guess how the world seems? Hopeless. But if you're exploding with hope on the inside of you, everywhere you go, all you see is good things happening. The gospels say something about people who have pure eyes, righteous hearts. Everywhere they look, they just see purity. Our hope leads our actions. Some of us have grown hopeless. We have been talked out of our eternal hope in Christ. We've entertained the philosophies of the world and they have a greater hold over our hearts and minds than the hope of Christ does. I'll tell you, this is my testimony right here. I'm getting my hope back right now. I'm rooting myself again in Christ right now. Because I tried to be fancy and walk away from Jesus or live my life outside of the hope of Jesus. And when I encountered the world, I couldn't do it. You know, people will tell you this. They'll try to shame you about your religion. And they'll say this. What you believe is just a crutch. What you believe about Jesus and God is just a crutch. You know what I have to say about that? Yes and amen. Yes, every time the devil comes to accuse me with something like that, I say, you're absolutely right. I need all the help from God that I can get. I just do. I have friends, young people who have, you know, decided to take a little detour into atheism. And I always tell them, go try it. Give it your best shot. Try to, try to overcome everything that is needing help in the world without the power of Jesus in your life. And I'm telling you, you will wear out so fast. Some of the wokest people that I know are some of the angriest people that I know. And I'm not even saying being woke is bad. You might need to wake up in some things. But I'm just saying, outside of the power of God, you don't have a chance. This is why we must go back to the testimony of scripture to find out what God really wants. You've heard me say this before, but, but I'll tell you, within society, the testimony of the scriptures have been so diminished that a bunch of well-meaning Christians like you and I have stopped believing what they say. And the scripture is where we go to find out what Jesus said. And if you cut yourself off from that, you cut yourself off from all of the wisdom and grace that you need to live the meaningful life. But it's going to be all right because the Holy Spirit has led us here. It is a time to change our minds and to give up running our own lives and to trust God again. Because following Jesus is the good life. It may be strange, it may set you at odds with the opinions of other people, but the opinions of other people are not going to give you a meaningful life the way that Jesus will. Have you ever, have you, have you found yourself paralyzed and crippled by the, by the opinions of other people? I know I have. Like, you feel so much shame for believing Jesus because somebody said that that's a dumb thing to do. 
Jesus will probably not give you an easy life, but he will give you a meaningful life. The power of Christ, which was inside of Paul, led him to a lot of places that he probably didn't want to be. The good news of God's kingdom that exploded out of Paul sent him to prison. Remember back in Luke, when we were reading Jesus's words earlier, when Jesus said, here's what I came to do. I came to set the captives free and I came to release the oppressed. You remember that? Well, what Jesus was doing, Paul was doing too. And he and Silas are walking along. I can't remember what city they were in, but they were walking along. They heard that there was a place for prayer. So they were heading down to the place to pray. And there was this young girl who was harassing them. And everywhere they were walking around in the city, this this young girl kept shouting out, these people are telling the truth about God. These people are preaching the gospel. I mean, everything she was saying was exactly right. But for some reason, Paul got really annoyed with this little girl. Well, her story was, was she was afflicted by a demonic spirit. And she had a power to tell people's fortunes, to tell their futures. And she was a slave to some people who were making money off of her. And, and Paul gets so exasperated that he turns around and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, afflicting spirit, come out of that young girl. And instantly, the power of God healed her. And the, de- the devil went out of her and she lost her power to see into the future. She lost her power to manifest the future. You know, Christ will set you free from witchcraft. Christ will set you free from the need to control your future, to control your life, to control other people's lives. Paul is acting out Luke 4, the project of Jesus, the good news, the kingdom of God. He turns around and sets this captive free. And guess what? Her owners got mad. You know, money is a God. It was a God then and it's a God now. And when you get, begin to preach the good news of Christ and you begin to set the captives free, the gods of this age will be disrupted and they're going to get mad. But these are the strange ways that Christians walk in. They release the goodness of God into people's lives, not in the abstract, but in the concrete. And these men, they, they drag Paul and Silas into jail. They drag them before the authorities and they say, they have stolen our livelihood. Our our slave can no longer tell the future. She can no longer tell tell fortunes. They keep talking about Jesus and his resurrection and it's disrupting the peaceful city that we live in that is making us money hand over fist, even at the expense of other people. So Paul and Silas, they get dragged into jail. And what's the first thing that they do? They're strange. Remember, they begin to pray and sing. Paul and Silas, they, their hairy carcasses get dragged off to prison. The very first thing they do is hold a prayer meeting. It says they start singing hymns to God. 
I would not do that, y'all. I would call my lawyer and I would write my congressman right away. That would not be the first thing I do. But there was something, some reality that was so alive in Paul that he's sitting there on a cold stone floor and he just begins to praise God. And here's what happens. And I know you know this story. But as they're singing, as they're blessing God, as they're praising, there's an earthquake. And all of the doors fling open. And the chains that are on their wrists and ankles fall off. I've heard that story all my life. And here's what I've always thought. They praised God and the doors opened and that that was the miracle. Have you heard that before? Yeah, preachers are always tying this to your life. Like if you just praise God, the doors are going to open. If you just praise God, the shackles are going to fall off and everything in your life is going to be better. If you just praise God, you'll have the means of escaping the reality that you're living in. Ooh, who doesn't want that? Sign me up, Lord Jesus. But that is not the great miracle of that story, y'all. That is not the great. Guess what? Paul and Silas are praying and they're, and they're worshiping God. And there's an earthquake and the doors open and the chains fall off. Guess what the miracle is? They don't escape. They stay. They stay in the jail. They have an opportunity to leave their moment of darkness, but they stay. The story goes like this. The jailer, seeing that the doors were open, assumed that the prisoners had left. He drew his sword to kill himself. And Paul calls out, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Oh, the hope of Christ Jesus that's on the inside of you that will turn into a song in the middle of a jail is so powerful that it doesn't lead you to an escape of the thing that you're in, but it empowers you to stay right in the middle of the place that God puts you. And you know what the outcome of that was? The jailer falls on his knees and said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul doesn't whip out a volume of theology. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and all your household will be saved. That's all he said. That guy had no context. That jailer had no context. He had no reference point. All Paul said was believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and all your household will be saved. The next thing we see in that story is they're all breaking bread in the jailer's household. And they're explaining the deeper things of God to that, that person and that family. Jesus will send you to jail so that a jailer won't commit suicide. God will send you to a dark place so that somebody can discover the good life of Jesus in the middle of nowhere. You have to be careful how you assess your life. You have to make sure you're not judging God too quickly. You might be right in the middle of the best story of your life. You just might be in the hardest chapter. So many people give up on their life or they give up on their life in God because they're tired.
tired of the place that they're in. And rather than going on with Jesus in the jail, they give up and they check out. The pro- I, I'm good with that. If you have to do that, if you have to take a detour, there's enough grace for you. But I promise you, there's enough grace to stay too. God can give you enough grace and wisdom to stay in the middle of your actual life right now. You don't have to spend the rest of your life waiting and hoping for your life to get better someday. The kingdom of God is pregnant with possibility that wants to break out into your actual life right now. Man, I got to get my phone out. I read this G.K. Chesterton quote this morning. You know, sometimes the internet's really great. I mean, I love me some Instagram. I, this is just so good. I got I to gotta share this with you. But my phone is locked. Lord, forgive me for doing this to you. It's like that friend that wants to show you a, a video and makes you sit there watching them. Watching the video. It's the worst thing ever. Here's what Chesterton said. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Let me read that to you again, because I can hear gears turning. The Christian ideal or the Christian life or life with Christ, however you want to put that, has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. I'll tell you this. I have a a history. I have a legacy of unfaithfulness in my own life. But God's faithfulness has been constant the entire way. There have been days when I have stopped believing in him. But I have always felt that he has believed in me. And that is true of you. That is true of all of us in this room this morning. The strange life of following Jesus will put you out of sorts with the world that you're walking in. But I promise you, it is the most meaningful life that you could possibly ever live on this earth. Amen. Isn't that good news? And the good news that even gets better is it's 1156 and I'm done with my message. Woo, come on. I'm dialing this in, y'all. Here's what I want to do. I want to ask the worship team to come on up here real quick. And I just think it's cool that, that singing, that singing is the gift of God to people. Okay, so here's the thing. I, I've, I've thought a lot about this. I'm an old worship leader from way back. Um, it is true that there are other forms of artistic expression that have a lot of value. I love visual art. I love to go to art museums and just look at visual art. I love it. I wish I was a painter. Someday I'm going to be a painter. Actually, I have this, I have this plan on, uh, for my life. Like, like the, the last quarter of my life, I'm going to become an internationally famous visual artist. So... <laughs> Just get ready, y'all. My Instagram is really going to be awesome then. Yeah, this is my, this is my plan. It's my plan. Um, but, so you've got all these different kinds of art. You've got art, you've got dance, you've got 
all of these legitimate forms of expression. But singing is the one thing that we can all do together. Yeah? And singing is the one thing that you can do when you're in prison. You can't paint a picture unless you have like a charcoal rock and you're just, you know, you're working on the walls or something. But you can always pray. You can always sing. There's, there's something powerful when we sing together. Amen. So why don't we just stand up together? I want to, I, I do want to do this as well. I want to uh, invite the ministry teams up because we want to pray for people this morning. We got, we got our prayer ministry team up front here. And, uh, I was talking to my friend, Matt Peterson this week and, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's on our board here at Queen City and he, he has a really awesome church up in Winston-Salem, but I was just kind of picking his brain about, about ministry time and, and ministry teams. And I was like, Matt, what exactly, what's our goal? When we lay hands on people and when we're praying for people, what is it that we're really doing? And he said the most profound thing to me, although it was simple. He said, you know, Andy, the thing is this. People need to be encouraged. We need courage. Why do we come to church? Because the things that we hear here, we're not hearing anywhere else. And we need each other. And we need people to lay hands on us and to impart the life of God into our bodies and our minds. So maybe this morning you want to take a risk and you want to come out of your seat. This is not an altar call. We're not going to call anybody out or anything. But if you want to take a risk this morning and come up here because you need to be encouraged in your life, these folks would love to pray with you to lay hands on you, to find out what you might need in your life. And they can just minister an encouraging word to you. So the team is going to start leading us together in a song. As they're doing it, just come to the front and get prayer. And we're going to sing and worship for a little bit. And then I'll come up and close the meeting. How's that sound? Is that good? All right. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.